0: There was a black man who defeated the British armed forces in the Niger Delta. This is the story of the First Oil War, which was fought in the 19th century in the area that became Nigeria. There is an admirable quality called bravery, which helps you face danger or pain without showing fear. That doesn't mean you don't have fear, but you have the strength of will to overcome whatever fear that may come. Bravery, however, comes with its results, which may sometimes be not so pleasant. This was the situation that a king called Frederick Williams Coco experienced at one time in his life. The bravery in question is the fact that King Coco Dead to rise against British economic, political, and cultural religious servitude by attacking the royal forces of Britain in the Niger Delta and organizing war against them. The story of King Coco is one important historical event in pre-colonial Niger Delta that shows extraordinary heroic display, tenacity, and the patriotic sense of nationhood. Frederick Williams Coco one time king of Nembe Kingdom in present day by Yelso State was born in 1853 when the palm oil business was one of the major exports from the Niger Delta region. An Ijo man, he was born into the Mingi royal family of Nembe, an Ijo ethnic group in the oil rich Niger Delta region of Nigeria. As a young child, he was handsome, brave, outspoken, and intelligent. He possessed fishing skills and business acumen that had no comparison within the Nember kingdom. As a youth, he led Nember to many wars in quests, even before his ascension to the minging throne. He was well-educated and spoke Nembe and English languages fluently. Just like any other person from the introduction of Christianity to Africa, Coco was traditionist in his beliefs. He was a firm believer in the culture and customs of his people until he converted to Christianity. He gave his all to Christianity to the extent of becoming a Christian teacher, and with the help of other Christians in the locality, he supervised the demolition of all idol houses in Nembe Kingdom. He was the Sunday school's teacher in the church, and this was a plus for him as it helped him rise to power later on. This rise to power was possible because almost all the powerful chiefs and businessmen in Nembe Kingdom were Christians then. In 1889, after the death of his predecessor, King Okia, Koko being a member of the royal family and with the help of the leading powerful Christian chiefs became the Amanayambo, which means the king of Nembe. He was crowned king of Mingi of the Kingdom. He had a Kompassanari king, more like a joint or co king in the person of elderly Ebifa. Wu ruled a region called Basanviri and was commander-in-chief until his death in 1894. The Nembe Kingdom ruled by Mingi comprised of sub-kingdoms including Nembe Main Town, Akasa, Braz, and Opoma, in form of brotherhood states. Prior to this time, the European traders had settled and taken bays on the coasts, and the number people were trade partners with them, especially in palm oil. However, it was poorer than its boni Okrika, and Calabari neighbors. Coco's reign, however, made a difference during this reign. Before the 19th century, slave trade still held sway in these regions, but by 1870, after its abolishment, Palm oil had replaced slaves as the main export of the Niger Delta, the area which was known as Slave Coast prior to that time. Throughout the 19th century, palm oil was a highly desired commodity by the British. This is because, as the world's first industrialized nation, they needed and used resources such as palm oil as industrial lubricants for their machinery. Most of the trade in the oil palm was at first dumpsy and without order. But with natives selling to those who gave them the best deals, it was due to these that the local chiefs, such as former slave Jaja of Opobo, attained their great wealth. From accounts, things later didn't go well for Jaja and he was sent into exile. On his way back home in 1891, he was poisoned with a cup of tea. As a king, Coco, having the Jaja story in mind, noticed that his people were still being cheated in the palm oil business by a company jointly run by European and Britain called Royal Niger Company, RNC. They were denied access to the market, the very same access the RNC enjoyed. History, the say, is there so as to learn from the errors of the past and create a better future. The people of the Niger Delta knew very well the story of Jaja of Upobo. Wu wanted to export his own palm oil but was accused of standing in the way of the business of the British and was sent into exile. This made the leaders and chiefs to be cautious and alert when dealing with the Royal Niger Company. And King Koko was one of such rulers and it worried him how the RNT had come to monopolize the palm oil product from their very own land. At first, King Koko tried to negotiate more friendly trading conditions with the company, but was rebuffed. Everything he did to, in the interest of his people and in their oil business, was unsuccessful. Consequently, members' refusal to sign thwarted their aim of bringing all trade along the kingdom's rivers into its own lands. By the 1890s. There was severe displeasure towards the company's sole control and the prevention of the men of Nembe from carrying out their trade. He loathed the idea of being restricted in trading and so proceeded to do business with the Germans directly. King Koko renounced Christianity and went back to the traditional ways, his reason being the ill-treatment and all aforementioned. This happened in 1894, after the Royal Niger Company had introduced more restrictions. Koko then proceeded to try and unite with the Boni and Opoma regions so they could collectively take down the company. Okwama accepted the sand of fellowship, but unfortunately, the Boni refused their affiliation. This did not in any way hinder Koko's planned rebellion. In January 1895, after the death of his co-king Gebifa, the king in Bazambiri, King Koko threw Cushion to the wind and led over 1,500 men in what is known as the Dawn Raid to attack the Royal Niger Company's headquarters at Akasa with 22 war loaded with able-bodied men and cannons. They looted and plundered Royal Niger Company's warehouses, offices, official and industrial machines, weapons, and so many. When they were done looting, they burned it down and over 70 men were reportedly captured as spoils of the war. Coco then proceeded the next day to negotiate with the company for the release of the hostages in exchange for a return to free trading conditions and on the 2nd of February 1895, he wrote to Sir Claude Macdonald, the British Consul General, that he had no disagreement with Queen Victoria but only with the Niger company. All King Coco Mingi wanted was that the RNC allow him and his people choose their trade partners and trade freely, with the condition that if the company granted his wish, it would release the captives. His move and quest for peace fell on deaf ears as the British rejected Koko's demands. In retaliation, King Koko's forces attacked, with twenty-five volcanoes sunk three British ships, and many of the white hostages were killed in cold blood at the Sacrifice Island and the British report has it that more than 40 of the hostages were ceremoniously eaten by the locals. No powerful nation would readily accept this type of fatal blow, and the war doesn't ever have any good outcomes, as there are always repercussions for any deed. And so on February 28, 1895, the Royal Navy carried out a counterattack on King Coco and his people at Nembe Main Town. The town was destroyed and more than 300 Nembe men Women and children were killed by the angry White Army. The British forces anchored off the Nembe Creek and seized Sacrifice Island. As part of their revenge, Britain's Royal Navy attacked Bras and razed it to the ground on February 20, 1895. The attack on Nembe and King Koko's forces was spearheaded by Rear Admiral Sir Frederick Bedford who led the British forces. Many more of Koko's people died from a severe outbreak of smallpox. On March 23rd, seeing the heavy devastation of his beloved people as a result of his decision, Koko had to order 16 of his war to surrender in order to stop further destruction of villages and killings in brass and other places. Koko, however, did not surrender, neither was he captured. He was on the run for a few months. After some months in April 1895, things gradually returned to normalcy and businesses continued as usual. King Coco came back and there were some amends made, with a return of several canons, a machine gun, and all the guns looted during the raid. Also, there was an exchange of prisoners. Brass weapons were taken from them and they were fined £500 as a punishment, an amount which the support traders on the river offered to pay the war was a negative public relations for the royal niger company in the eyes of the outside world capable of destroying our reputation the british public came down with full force against the company with a director judge goldie who was in fact accused of having motivated and encouraged coco to carry out all the hostile acts he did one key finding on investigation was that truly Forty three of Koko's prisoners who were killed had been ceremoniously eaten by the locals. In August 1895, Koko came over to Brass to meet up for talks with some officials who were about to sail for England, but he changed his mind and quickly withdrew to the bush again. In April eighteen ninety six, after reports about the war had been put together, King Coco was offered a settlement for his grievances, but he found the terms unacceptable rejected the settlement offered to him by the British and fled again. He was then declared a fugitive and dethroned by the British. There was an announcement of a reward of £200 to be offered to anyone who would reveal the whereabouts of Koko. This was unsuccessful as nobody did. In June 1896, an agreement was drawn out to readmit traders back into the market. This agreement was however subject to acceptance by King Koko with a signature needed, but this proved impossible to obtain because he had rejected meeting with any of the British authorities since the attack on Akasa and cannibalism of captives in his capital. Remembering and learning from the experience of King Jaja of Opobo, he saw any call for a meeting with him as a ploy to trap him. As a result of his actions, he got dethroned, Koko fled to ATMR, a remote village in the Interland where he died in 1898 as a fugitive. It is speculated that he committed suicide, but there are other opinions that he was murdered. The next year after his death, the lease of the Royal Niger Company was nullified. Partially because of the war, which effect from January 1st, 1900, the Royal Niger Company sold the territory presently known as Nigeria to the British government for 865,000 pounds. In 1914, the Southern Protectorate and Northern Protectorate were amalgamated by Lord Lugard. The Niger Company later changed names to the Niger Company Limited. It is later incorporated by Lever Brothers, which is today known as Unilever and still carries out operations in Nigeria till today. It is important at this point to note that of all the traditional kings and warlords that resisted British invasion in Nigeria, King Coco remains the only revolutionary king in history to have come head-on against British soldiers who escaped trial and the full rot of the colonial masters. References of this documentary are from The Akasa Raid, 1895 by E.B. Egberi Joe Alagwa, The Small Grave City-State, A History of Nembe Brass in the Niger Delta by E.B. Egberi Jo Alagwa, Pauls.ng, Wikipedia.com, and baramutsuvoicenews dot com